0: This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Yeah, yeah. Fundies called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stopping as bulls to talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Or oh, Nick McClain. Thanks very much for uh, for coming back on Talk Your Book, a repeat guest. Before we get into your stock pick, I thought if you could start with Surrey Asset Management and a bit of an update on, on what you guys do and, and how you guys look to invest.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Firstly, um, it's great to be back. It's my third time and Surrey's fourth time uh, back on Talk Your Book, so hopefully we're doing something, something right. Uh, for your viewers who might not recall, Surrey is a long-only small-cap ASX-listed um, focused fund. Uh performance today, we're, we're four years, uh, four years on in terms of track record. Performance to date has been solid. Um, we're very much focused on risk-adjusted returns as opposed to the real razzle-dazzle huge ups and downs. Um, but we've been outperforming solidly since inception per annum, which is which is very pleasing for us.
0: And what stock did you want to talk about today? Uh,
1: today I thought I'd talk about one that's a little little a uh, little more topical. For your for your audience, and that's Domain Holdings. Um, the reason I say it's more topical is one, it is property related, which is in the news, you know, every day, obviously. And secondly, it is a technology focused um, stock, which is also in the sector, which is very much in the news with um, with the U.S. ten year bond yield rising and what that's doing to to valuations, particularly of those those tech based names. Um, so that that's the one we're talking about today.
0: And there's a little bit more to it than just the domain uh, website, isn't there? Maybe talk us through the, the helicopter view of the business and a little bit about the different divisions that they've uh, that they've now got.
1: Yeah, so everybody knows domain as, or most people will know domain as that um, as, as the domain.com website, which has got your listings. Uh, it's the number two player to realestate.com. Um by its realestate.com's revenues are about two and a half odd times
0: larger than 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 domains. Is gaining ground on
1: REA or is the difference sort of...? No, so it depends what metric you actually look at as to whether it's gaining ground on, on REA. Uh, REA says it's not, Domain says it is, but really I look at the revenue and that's probably the best way to look at it. Um, listings come and go uh, and it's also quite regional, so Domain are more dominant in Sydney. Uh, REA are more dominant in Melbourne, uh, and then there's region by region. So it, it can vary quite a bit. The main, the main metric I look at is revenue uh, in, terms of, in terms of market share and REA's keep, keeping a pretty solid lead there. Um, that's not to say there's not room for a very strong number two play, which is what domain is. Um, but to come back to your point, um, the main listings business is 70% of its revenue, um, which, is, which is what everybody knows. Um, But then there are another few parts to the business which it's building out. One is the media business, um, or I call it the media business, which encapsulates its banner advertising, um, developer advertising, and commercial property in there. So um, that is 15% of revenue. Uh, Then you also have uh, agent and consumer services um, divisions, which we'll, which we'll get into, that um, that captures nine percent of revenue, and then the remaining six percent of revenue comes from the traditional legacy uh, print um, print business that it's had for quite a while, and that that's shrinking as you can imagine as a as a percentage of the total pool. But re- residential um, residential um, listings is still the absolute key to the game for them, and
0: it's been a really good top line growth. Looking through their um their most recent presentation, but Agent Solutions, while still a small part of the business, I think it was growing over 60% uh, on an annualised basis. Is that that something you think is going to grow into a a real material division for them?
1: So I I do. Um, You have to be a little careful that they do have acquisitions and acquisition in there, Um, but it is still growing at at, at solid double-digit rates. Um, The the purpose of Agent Solutions and the best way to think about it is it is... um, trying to more ingratiate themselves in with the actual uh with the agent themselves so it brings in a platform where the agent so for example chris judd um, real estate agent can manage the entire um, listing Process from start to finish. So the entire marketing process from start to finish. So the um, uh, the advertising, um, the open for inspections, um, tracking who's come in and and, and who hasn't, uh, and that that's quite important to agents. And that that's got around about a forty percent market share nationwide. Um, the purpose of that is one, obviously, to to generate revenue and earnings, but two, to further entrench themselves into the agent, so they become more and more necessary to that um, to that client. Um, so I do expect that to grow, um, but like I mentioned, it's got two purposes, one, to support the the, the, the listings business, part of the business, uh, and then two, obviously, to grow in its own right in terms of revenue and earnings.
0: And can you see home loans or can you see any of the other visions growing to be material contributors or it's really the agent? Yeah,
1: yeah so, so then you've got consumer solutions, which is um, not new, but it's only 3% of revenue for, for these guys, and that's, like you mentioned, the home loan broking. They don't write home loans themselves. They they, they effectively broke them. Um, it is only 3% now, but I think we've seen the importance of it to these portals with realestate.com um, buying mortgage choice, um, which we saw whenever it was a few-odd a few months ago. Um, will Domain go down that path? I don't think so in the, in the short term in terms of a big big bang acquisition. Um, but it is, again, about capturing both these platforms, REA and Domain, are about capturing the entirety of the real estate transaction from the time uh, you start thinking about selling your house to the time you've actually sold your house and then beyond uh, through, through to things like moving, finding removalists, so on so on so on. Um, so the so if we talk about um, what's the addressable market, um, the, the the revenues of these two combined are, are about one and a half billion at, at the moment. Um, so call it about a two billion dollar market at the moment, um, as it stands right now. But we see the market being a lot bigger than that, both in terms of revenue growth in in listings, so the core business, but then also as these guys expand out into things such as mortgage broking, like you mentioned. Um, uh, the agent services like like we just spoke about. So the addressable market is far bigger and it's growing at, at double-digit rates, which we obviously get very excited about.
0: They don't always want to do it, but there is that sort of earnings multiple arbitrage that high-valuation tech stocks can get from buying more mature business like mortgage brokers where you know, the multiples are just going to be much lower, aren't they, particularly if they get to script.
1: Yeah, that's right. So Domain hasn't done that. Domain's um, done the reverse and bought bought businesses. uh, It it issued some script to buy business um, not too long ago. Uh, The businesses it's bought have been probably more strategic than just for earnings. Uh, Not to say uh, realestate.com's purchase wasn't strategic, but it also, like you said, had that multiple arbitrage arbitrage advantage as well, um, given the lower multiple that it was acquiring.
0: And so talk me through the the US 10-year bond you mentioned at the start, how as 10-year bond yields rise, the valuation of of tech stocks get crunched. How are you viewing that arm wrestle the market's currently having in in bonds where you've got highly, you know, a lot of inflationary pressures and you've also got recessionary fears um, and obviously recessionary fears in recent history have meant bond yields are going to get crunched. Inflationary pressures mean that bond yields are going to rise. How are you... Harry Marrying off the arm wrestle that, that we're seeing in bond markets at the minute.
1: Yeah, so if we haven't spoken about it a month ago, bond yields had dropped to a hundred odd basis points down to sort of call it two and a half, and they've since recovered now to be just a little bit over a little bit over three percent, that US 10 year bond yield. Um our view at Surrey is is a little different to what's out there in terms of the market. Um we don't think we're going to see yields expand dramatically. Uh, up towards that five, six, seven percent in a short period of time. Um, we do think they will settle at around that three, maybe four percent, four percent mark. And our rationale behind that is, I think a lot of the inflation, which is which you just mentioned that we're seeing, is supply driven more so than actual demand driven. Uh, and and I'll be very simplistic about this, but obviously often that's the the best way to be when it comes to to economics. Um, when you walk through the supermarket now or you listen to the Coles Supermarkets uh, earnings call the other day, uh, people are starting to shop down. So the the higher priced, more expensive items that whatever it might be, uh, an iFillet, instead of buying the it for $28, you might be buying um, the lower grade steak for, for $20 uh, or the branded bread, you're buying the no branded bread. We're seeing that more and more. The more people we speak to, the more I hear it back. And as as I mentioned, Coles talked about it on the call. So that's obviously just one example, but I think inflation will come back fairly, not rapidly, but over the next six months. The sort of figures we're seeing now are are not sustainable. And like I mentioned, I think they are uh, supply-driven, not demand-driven. As China opens up post-COVID, as all our supply chains start reopening, or not reopening, but, but... but more fully opening, people get back to work in in, in these distribution um, networks, I think you'll see inflation come down and interest rates start, start to steady. Um, what does that mean for companies like Domain? Um, I, I'm always... So we're bottom-up investors, first and foremost, but with very much a, a macro awareness of what's going on. Um, if I look at the bond yield now, at the US 10-year bond yield now at... Um, and we'll call it three percent. I can buy that at three percent. It's not growing. I get my three percent effectively risk-free, or I can buy a domain. And the way I look at domain is, if you inverse it's if you give it its earnings yield, pre-tax earnings yield, it's comfortably over five percent. So I'm buying a business that's on a pre-tax earnings yield north of five percent that's growing on my numbers over the next three years at twenty percent per annum. And it's a very good business run by a very very solid management team with a great balance sheet. Um, I prefer that um, any day over a static um, over a static three percent
0: yield. So would I. Talk to me about housing turnover versus house prices. Um, I think a lot of people view the the, the local drive, if you like, a business like this being house prices, but. You know, and in fact, it's turnover of houses, I suspect, that drives it more. Is that how you view it? And is that a misconception in the market?
1: Yeah, spot on. So house prices, people see 20% correction in house prices or whatever hysteria that the media puts out. And they think that's bad for domain. It's all about volume for domain. So price is important only in the context of what it does to volumes.
0: Which they can drop when house, when house prices get crunched fewer people uh, yeah, 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 there is a
1: correlation is that bit- yeah, yeah yeah there is but it's not a dramatic 20 percent drop in house prices 20 percent drop in, in volumes it's just not that it's just not that closely correlated but i i accept that there is definitely a correlation something to be very aware of um and we've seen through previous cycles not that australia has really uh, over the last at least 10 years gone through a, a negative um, housing cycle but um what, what we do see when times get tougher um, people require uh, more cut through of their house because time on market is longer. Um, people are more picky, so they up pay or they pay up, I should say, um, for better priced advertising through Domain. So Domain might have a slightly lower number of properties on its site, but that slightly lower number will be taking up higher priced products to get the better cut through so a bad market isn't a bad market in terms of volumes isn't necessarily directly a bad thing for revenues um so then that brings me on to my next point which is a point of differentiation between um surrey and and the market the market is currently expecting a decline in property volumes of call it five percent around that that meet single digit um, single digit level for the next 12 months um i disagree with that i think We've seen July and August uh, volumes at, 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 up around the mid-teens level, um, which is obviously very, very strong. Um, as we come into September, which is a key selling period October and, and, and onwards, um, I don't think we're going to see uh, any significant um, uh, drop-off in terms of negativity. And my rationale for that and where I'm a little bit different to the market is um, we did have a big bounce. Um, sort of this time last year as we came out of COVID and we saw a big spike um, in properties coming on market. But COVID, remember, COVID was catastrophic for for actual listing volumes. Um, So they were coming off a very low base. And I think that um, a reemergence of properties on market will actually take time. I think that will play out over the next six months um as people start to bring their bring their properties on i don't think it's a quick bang two months spike and then and then that's it i think it will go on a little longer than that Um, and and you're based in victoria i'm based in in victoria Um, we as you know we were in stop start stop start shut down so, did anyone really want to put their house onto the market, even when we come out of lockdown? If the threat was there that in three weeks we're back into lockdown and nobody can do a walkthrough of your of your property, um, so I think that that um, the volumes will be a lot better than the market thinks. And then we're cycling the federal election as well uh, in the second half of this financial year. So, I I I'm looking at um, flat volumes, maybe even up, which is different to what to what the market is saying.
0: You touched on their numbers earlier, their growth numbers being strong. Maybe just give us the, the view of what their what their PE is, what their revenue growth is, and, and maybe a little bit about how their balance sheet's looking.
1: Yeah, so the um so the PE currently on my numbers for full year 23 is trading on about 27 and a half times, which, like you know, is, is obviously not cheap. Uh, I've got earnings per share growth just north of 20%, uh, and I've got that continuing per annum for the next um, three years through issues we spoke about with regard to price rises, increased depth take-up, some improvement in yield, and then the ancillary products growing growing as well. Um, in terms of their margins, these guys have got a lot of flex. Um, they've, they've called out a 36.5% EBITDA margin target for full year 23 um, uh, they can flex that quite a bit. So if I'm wrong on volumes and volumes drop eight percent, these guys can pull back on on marketing um, to adjust for that um, to keep to keep the margins quite steady. So I'm comfortable there. And then on the balance sheet, they've got um, hundred mil net debt after the acquisitions they've made recently. That's 20, 20 times interest cover. So I've got no concerns whatsoever um, with regard to with regard to their balance sheet.
0: And I'm a pretty simple guy. If I see a PE of 20, I sort of hope earnings per share growth is going to be close to that. Is that a very simplistic way that you would view uh, PEs and, and earnings per share growth?
1: Uh, no, no. So that, that's a good way. So you're talking about your your PE, your PE to growth ratio, and, and one is that number that people people look for. Um so that's not simplistic at all, uh, and, and I do bear that in mind, and I'd love to be buying this on a, on a peg of one, but obviously I'm not, uh, where, where I look to see um, see the differences, what will the earnings, ha- how comfortable am I with forecasting earnings two, three, four years out? Um, this business is extremely steady in what it does. It is very predictable in, in what it does, and that's not to make it sound simple but if you look at their track record they can they can increase um prices comfortably they're managing their cost base comfortably they have a lot of flex around their marketing Um, so you can with some degree of comfort look out two three four years and see where that 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 number might be Um, so that's where i'm prepared to pay pay more than i more than your value type type multiple for this business
0: and lastly, is it a case of just seeing those earnings and those earnings per share grow over the next two, three, four years, or is there something else out there that could potentially lead to a re-rating in the next 12 to 18 months?
1: Yeah, so I, I think there's there's a couple of things. Firstly, is we get a lot of macro data, not from the company, but just macro data um, uh, around um, uh, listing volumes. So I think that, that will have an influence month, month to month. And as I mentioned, I think it will, will be better than, than the market is forecasting. Um, they've also got uh, their AGM coming up um, in November, I believe it is. So I'd look to see um, some type of update there. And then thirdly, in terms of any acquisitions, buybacks, anything like that, um, given they've done two material acquisitions in the last sort of 18 months or so, I don't expect anything material in the near term. Um, uh, so in that regard, just consistency of ongoing earnings growth um, from the
0: company. Awesome mate. It's a uh, it's a it's a beauty, it's a great update and thanks very much for uh, for coming back on and sharing it with us. Bye. thanks for having me. Bye. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest. Nothing you hear today should be considered investment advice. Please do your own research and seek out your own financial advisor before committing any capital to these markets.